Chapter Sixteen of Captain William Kidd and Others of the Buccaneers by John S. C. Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: The Expedition to Maracaibo. The delay at Ocoa, hunting excursions, the repulse, cities of Venezuela, the plan of Morgan, suggestions of Pierre Picard, sailing of the expedition. They touch at Aruba traverse venezuela enter lake maracaibo capture of the fort the city abandoned atrocities of the pirates at Acoa on the island of hispaniola the pirates remained several days waiting for the arrival of the other vessels which were unaccountably lagging behind every morning morgan sent a party of eight men from each ship upon the island as hunters in search of game he also sent a body of armed men to protect them from any attack by the spaniards though there were many spaniards upon the island they did not feel strong enough to assail so great a force as the pirates could muster they however sent to the city of san domingo for three or four hundred men to kill or drive away all the cattle and game around the bay of Acoa. they hoped thus to starve out the buccaneers and compel them to depart goaded by hunger a band of fifty of morgan's men ventured far into the woods the spaniards who were watching them drew them into an ambuscade the pirates were outnumbered and surrounded with cries of kill kill the spaniards opened a sudden and deadly fire but these desperadoes accustomed to every kind of danger could not be thrown into a panic instantly they formed themselves into a hollow square and keeping a rolling fire from the four sides slowly retreated to their ships many fell by the way dead or wounded many of the spaniards were also slain the next day morgan rendered furious by the discomfiture landed himself at the head of two hundred men to take dire revenge upon his foes but no foe was to be met finding his search useless he gave vent to his rage in burning all the dwellings he encountered from which the spaniards had fled still the seven missing ships did not appear after waiting a few days more he decided to delay no longer spreading his sails he steered his course for the island of savona but none of the missing vessels were there while waiting he sent several boats with crews amounting to one hundred and fifty well-armed men to plunder several of the small towns upon the san domingo coast but in the capital city and all along the shore scouts were on the watch sentinels were placed upon every headland the moment the boats appeared in sight signals were given at every point where a landing was attempted such energetic resistance was presented that the pirates were compelled to retreat they returned to morgan with this discouraging report he was in a towering rage and with sneers and curses denounced them as cowardly poltroons as no longer delay could be safely indulged in and as the missing vessels did not arrive he made another review of his fleet and army and found that he had eight vessels of various sizes and about five hundred men upon the coast of venezuela there was a large and opulent city called caracas it was the capital of the province of venezuela and had been founded nearly one hundred years before in fifteen sixty seven by the spanish government 
it was a well-built and beautiful city delightfully situated in the enjoyment of a salubrious climate and enriched by extensive commerce Nearby were Valencia, Barcelona, and Cumana, all important commercial ports. The latter place was the oldest city on the continent of South America. It was established in 1523. The plunder of these four cities would indeed enrich the marauders, and Morgan, in command of fifteen vessels, and with an army of fifteen hundred men, did not doubt that he could effect their capture, one by one, if he could strike them entirely by surprise. But it was folly to attempt it with eight vessels and five hundred men. There was a Frenchman in command of one of Morgan's ships by the name of Pierre Picard this man several years before had been the pilot of lolone's fleet in his capture and destruction of maracaibo and gibraltar of which expedition we have already given an account during the intervening years those places had in a very considerable degree recovered from their disasters again they presented riches sufficient to entice the buccaneers picard was a remarkable man of great resources he was a bold soldier and a skilful sailor familiar with all these waters fearless and unscrupulous with french plausibility of address and speaking the english language with volubility and correctness he gained great influence over morgan a council of the officers was called he proposed an attack upon maracaibo and gibraltar a chart was presented exhibiting the course to be run the channels to be threaded the forces to be encountered and the means of overcoming them his proposition was received with general acclaim and the fleet weighed anchor after several days sail to the south they reached an island called oruba it was inhabited only by natives they had a large stock of sheep lambs goats and kids here the pirates cast anchor to take in water and provisions for once these marauders seemed to come to the conclusion that honesty was more politic than thievery and that it was easier to buy a goat with a skein of thread than to steal it and thus rouse the hostility of the whole native population they remained here twenty-four hours acting as nearly like honest men as such a gang of thieves drunkards and desperadoes could do they filled their water-casks and laid in quite a store of provisions which they bought though without money and almost without price they were now within a day's sail of maracaibo they were anxious that the natives should not know their destination lest in some way they might give the alarm therefore the anchors were raised and the sails spread in the night when the morning dawned the islanders looked in vain for the fleet during the day the ships came in sight of the cluster of islands which are found at the entrance of the lake of maracaibo a fair breeze from the north had swept them rapidly through the gulf of venezuela just within the narrows which connected the gulf with the lake there was a mountainous island called vigilia upon some of its eminences there was a watch-tower erected where sentinels were stationed ever on the lookout to give warning of the approach of any suspicious craft just as the fleet reached this point the wind died away into a perfect calm though morgan made every endeavor to cast anchor out of sight of the watch-tower the vigilant eyes of the sentinels detected him the alarm was instantly sent up to the city 
twelve hours passed away before there was a breath of wind to ripple the crystal surface of the lake it was then four o'clock in the morning all this time had been granted the spaniards to prepare for their defence at a little distance beyond vigilia there was a narrow channel to be threaded which was defended by a fort not deeming it safe to expose his vessels to the heavy guns of the spaniards and knowing that the works would be weak on the land side he manned his boats and marching through the woods struck his foes in the rear the garrison had made arrangements for the most desperate resistance they had burned all the huts around the walls of the fort and had removed everything which could afford the assailants any shelter the defenders of the works numbered probably not more than thirty or forty men nearly five hundred reckless desperadoes emerged from the woods for the assault they were all veterans and all sharpshooters not a hand could be exposed but a bullet would strike it such a storm of balls were thrown with unerring aim in at every embrasure that the guns could not be worked when the pirates in their large numbers first appeared emerging from the forest the fort opened a fire so intense and continuous that it resembled the crater of a small volcano in most rapid eruption but the pirates who could return ten bullets for every one received and who were careful that every bullet should accomplish its mission soon caused the fire to slacken still the fight continued for many hours till night came with no apparent advantage on either side with the darkness the conflict ceased morgan sent a party cautiously forward to reconnoitre no light was to be seen no sound was to be heard solitude and silence reigned the fort was deserted with shouts the pirates rushed forward to take possession of the works the loud voice of morgan arrested them he was as cautious as he was brave a party of engineers was dispatched led by morgan himself to search lest there might be lighted fuses leading to the magazine morgan was the first to enter his quick eye discerned the gleam of a fuse slowly creeping toward the magazine where three thousand pounds of gunpowder were stored it was instantly trampled out but for this caution five hundred pirates would have swarmed all over the fort there would have been an earthquake roar a volcanic upheaval and not one of those five hundred desperadoes would have survived to tell the story of the retribution which had so suddenly befallen them the fort was a small but strong redoubt or outwork built of stone circular in form with a massive wall thirty feet high it was only accessible by an iron ladder which could be let down from a guard-room it mounted fourteen cannons of eight twelve and fourteen pound caliber there was also found a quantity of fire-pots hand-grenades pikes and muskets the pirates had no time to lose it was needful to press forward as rapidly as possible for every hour the inhabitants of the city might be adding to their defence they blew up a portion of the wall spiked the cannon and threw them over the ramparts burned the gun carriages and destroyed all the material of war which they could not carry away with them the way was now open for the passage of the fleet up the lake to the very entrance of the harbour with the earliest dawn the fleet spread its sails leaving behind the smouldering ruins of the fort the breeze was light the shoals many the channel intricate 
It was not until the next day that they came within sight of the city. There was still another fort to be passed at the very mouth of the port. Morgan stood upon his quarter-deck, spy-glass in hand. He could see the Spanish cavaliers at work on the ramparts, and had reason to expect a very desperate resistance. Again he decided not to expose his ships to the cannonade which the heavy guns of the fort could bring to bear upon them. Casting anchor out of gunshot, he disembarked his forces in the boats. They were ordered not to meddle with the fort, but to march in two divisions through the woods and attack the town at points which the artillery of the fort could not protect. The guns of the fleet were brought to bear upon all the adjacent thickets that no foe might find there a lurking place. The landing was effected without opposition. The march through the narrow mule paths was undisputed. The town was reached, but there was no foe there, no inhabitant there. All had fled. Warned by the awful fate which had befallen Maracaibo but a few years before, when sacked by the pirates under Lolonoi, the citizens, men, women, and children, had fled utterly panic-stricken. It is easy for a man of any ordinary courage to brave death in the performance of duty, but who can endure demoniac torture? Who can bear the idea of seeing his wife, his daughter, his child, exposed to every indignity, every cruelty which demons in human form can devise? Maracaibo was emptied of its population. All had sought refuge in the forest, with speed to which terror lent wings. The aged, the sick, had fled, even the dying were carried away, and it is stated without denial that the ship, the Oxford, which took the lead in this enterprise, belonged to Charles the Second, King of England. This royal buccaneer had equipped it, had manned it, and was to share in the spoil, and he rewarded the demoniac leader of this demoniac gang with the honors of a baronetcy, and appointed him governor over one of the most important colonies of Great Britain. Such scenes were enacted only two hundred years ago. Surely the world has made some progress. The fugitives had taken with them everything they could carry. There were no carriage roads in these parts, but there were many narrow mule paths leading in various directions. On pack mules and horses much treasure had been removed. Two days had elapsed since the alarm had resounded through the streets, the pirates are coming. The houses were empty, the doors were left wide open, the chambers were stripped of everything valuable. Nearly all the gold and silver and jewels had of course disappeared. There were some houses of much elegance in the place, sumptuously furnished. The pirates rushed through the streets, searching for the richest palaces for their barracks. The churches they wantonly defiled and converted into prison houses. Not a vessel or a boat was left in the port. All had been used by the terrified fugitives to escape far away upon the wide lake beyond. Morgan, chagrined at the loss of so much anticipated treasure, instantly dispatched one hundred fleet-footed men to pursue the encumbered and heavily laden refugees along all the trails. Scarcely any provisions could be found in the town. The fugitives had taken the wise precaution to destroy what they could not carry away. The little fort which guarded the harbor was merely a half-moon rampart facing the water, and mounting but four cannon. These works the Spaniards had, of course, abandoned. 
the men who had been dispatched in pursuit of the spaniards returned the next evening they brought with them thirty prisoners and fifty mules laden with valuables the prisoners were feeble men and women of the poorest class the owners of the richly laden mules seeing the approach of the pirates had abandoned all and outstripped the pursuers in their flight the unhappy captives were put to the torture but nothing could be wrested from them this morgan subsequently sir henry morgan governor of jamaica suspended his prisoners by the beard hung them up horizontally by cords bound around their toes and thumbs placed burning matches between their fingers scourged them twisted cords around their heads till their eyes burst from their sockets and perpetrated other enormities too horrible to be mentioned thus writes esquemeling all sorts of inhuman cruelties were executed upon these innocent people those who would not confess or who had nothing to declare died under the hands of those tyrannical men these tortures and racks continued for the space of three whole weeks in which time they ceased not to send out daily parties of men to seek for more people to torment and rob they never returned home without booty and new riches in one of these excursions they captured two negro slaves who were faint for loss of food they were put to the torture to compel them to reveal where their master was concealed one the elder of the two endured the horrible torment without a word and almost without a groan till death came to his release the other captive a young man just emerging from boyhood bore up bravely until the agony became utterly unendurable he then offered to lead them to his master the wealthy spaniard was soon taken and with him the exultant pirates seized thirty thousand dollars in silver in such days of disaster and woe families flying into the wilderness would cling together morgan had gradually captured one hundred of the most prominent families he had also acquired an unexpectedly large amount of plunder in silver gold bullion and rich merchandise captain picard was very exultant in view of the success of the enterprise which he had suggested and guided he now urged that they should advance upon the city of gibraltar it will be remembered that this place was at the head of the lake about one hundred miles south from maracaibo morgan embarked his prisoners and all of his plunder on board his fleet and spread his sails for this new enterprise End of chapter 16